Guys, I made a mistake um, last night. I watched this movie, and then I watched a documentary all about Sam J. Jones. Oh, I bet that wasn't happy. So I have an ent- I have tons of Sam J. Jones content for later on. Shh. Listeners, welcome back to a bonus episode of the Midnight Boys Present a Free Podcast. I'm your co-host, Rob, joined as always by my gold-faced friends, Joe and Duff. Joe! Ah! <laughs> Savior of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys have been safe with this. I mean, the hot hail has been wild this year. I, I mean, there's people walking up and down our block uh, asking, telling they'll do free evaluations to see if there's any hot hail damage on our siding. Do you, <laughs> Joe, the hot hail thing reminds me, I think we've told the story, but we'll retell it about the time we were on a shuttle to a Bucks game. Do you remember this? <laughs> Which time? Well, it was one of the times, and uh, we we're with some friends. And the time there heard, was hot hail. And we heard. Oh, the, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, no, I know. <laughs> We heard the bus driver and these women were talking <laughs> about what Milwaukee's known for. Oh no, the bus driver was. The bus driver the was bus talking. Driver's to like, you, she's like, you know, doing the whole, you know, it's a big yellow school bus doing the whole. Well, it wasn't yellow. I guess it was repainted for the bar, but Stenny's for our local listeners. Yeah, and they were doing, uh, doing the whole spiel about where you get dropped off, where you get picked up, and then she's like, hold on to those drinks. Cause you know what Wisconsin winners know known for, and then the whole bus yells out what sounded well, we, like what our friend from out of town thought was hot hose. It honestly, to me too, it sounded like everyone on the bus just shouted hot hose, and I was like, whoa, I've been a resident of Wisconsin my entire life, and I'm just finding out that in the winter we are known for our hot hose. <laughs> now, Duff, you could probably guess what she actually said. Uh, I'm not sure, actually. I know as a, was... as a person who has to deal with municipal complaints, <laughs> what sounds vaguely similar to that that people would bitch pot about? Holes. Pot pot yeah. holes. You she are said pot right. Holes. When, once you and them... all night, Rob, the Rob and our other uh, one of our other many friends named Rob <laughs> thought that she said hot hose. <laughs> Is this when you figured out you had many ears? Yes. <laughs> Potholes, potholes, it's potholes. That's what it is. Speaking of potholes, um, <laughs> we are going to talk movie's about. This movie's got them. Yeah, we we are. Listen, listen we got to first give our thanks, Joe. I know this is a nickname you've given him, and I think it fits our wealthy benefactor. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you, our wealthy benefactor. Who we don't know what happened, but he keeps paying us fifty dollars to talk about movies that he chooses and the only reason we know he's alive and he just isn't someone who died and had it stuck at fifty dollars is he tells us what the movie he yeah. wants us to talk about it i think this is some kind of money laundering scheme mm. you think so you I, think this is yeah i think he's is he writing a lot of cash off? through some kind of illicit means <laughs> and he's just got to unload it somehow I, I you guys right. you and you and him you and, and Dan are up to something. I don't know what it is. Yeah, Rob, yeah. Rob handles the money for this show. So Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, our our uh, friend of the show Dan 
continues to pay us fifty dollars to talk about movies. Glad and, that glad that stimulus money is boosting the economy. Yeah, this is where it's meant to go to losers. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I'm spending it, <laughs> so true. it's working. It's trickling yeah. down. Um, so he spent fifty dollars, and he wants us to talk about the movie Flash Gordon, which I feel we're. I, I, here's here's my like impression i feel like we're too young to talk about this movie yeah we're five years too late this is a gen xer thing i've always i've actually was really excited because i've always considered this kind of a blind spot because it's a pretty significant cult film and i had never seen it before so i was really really happy uh that that he wanted us to watch this yeah this was amazingly none of us had seen this i had seen it i had seen it before okay i had Um, seen it before like five you know Five years later, this is like I think the Goonies for us, like that. It's that level. It's just we were, you know, none of us were born when this came out. Yeah, yeah. This is this is a big time Gen X movie. Um, so we have Flash Gordon it comes on nineteen eighty, and uh, of course I'm gonna do my best to explain to you what happens in this movie. Um, Good luck. We start on Earth, and we have, uh, I mean, everyone knows the famous football star. For the New York Jets, Flash Gordon, <laughs> um, and and he boards a plane with another woman named Dale Arden. Dale, that's so weird. How many women have you ever heard of named Dale? Not not a lady name. Sorry. Them's, yeah, them's the rules. I don't. I, it, I Is mean, it I know, spelled different, like D A I L or something. No, like that? dude, it's D A L E, and that is what it is from the comics. So I don't know what's happening in the twenties, but. I'm not ready for women to be named Dale. There's, there's Dale Earnhardt, there's Dale that chipmunk, and... Wild stock market speculation. That was one thing that was going on in the 20s. Yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, so they board a plane, and because of the hot hail <laughs> that is sent down by uh, the Emperor Ming of the planet Mongo... <laughs> um, uh, that crashes the plane, which crashes into a greenhouse, which is owned by a crazy doctor, Dr. Zarkov, who I'm going to go on a little tangent here. Zarkov here has an assistant, and the assistant is named by, is sorry, is um, the assistant is played by William Hootkins. Now, William Hootkins. He's a hoot. We got to talk about William Hootkins. This man is a, a, a paragon a star, a guiding light for all big-boned boys of Gen <laughs> X. <laughs> this man, you you know who you know who William Hootkins is because he had a run. All right, so 1977, he played Porkins, who is the only fat pilot to ever fly a spacecraft, which is baller <laughs> move on George Lucas or whoever's part. Where's like. Uh, what should the name of this pilot be? It's like, oh, Tubby over there? Um, Porkins. Oh, it gets better. Don't worry about it. Because then in 1980, he's in Flash Gordon. Not a very big role, but he, you know, he's he's in this movie. And then, you know, you mentioned his name. Well, okay, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, he plays a, uh, a guy as part of the army or military. He's, his name he's, is... Yeah, he's the FBI know-nothing guy. And his name is Major Eaton. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right, Hootkins. You can't be Porkins and Major Eaton. You can't. Did George, that's... <laughs> did George Lucas hate this guy? I don't understand what's happening. Major <laughs> Eaton. Um, and then in 1989, he is Lieutenant Eckhart in Batman, who I love 
that 1980. I love Tim Burton's Batman. And I would argue, and I don't even think there's, I don't even think there's a second place worth discussing. He has the best line in Batman. Okay. And his line in Batman is when he's like, you ain't got no future, Jack. You're an A1 nut boy, and Grissom knows it. That's yeah. the best line in Batman. Yeah, he's like, A1 nut boy is pretty A1 cool. nut boy. <laughs> As I remember, he's he's channeling Orson Welles' touch of evil in that movie. Like, yeah, absolutely. Just kind of like a frumpled, like, <laughs> like, he's been in his suit for a day or two. He's got yeah. he's just this, like, kind of grody, bumbly guy. That's just, a shtick. A big-boned man who has the balls to say to Jack Nicholson that he's an A1 nut boy. <laughs> Just, I love him. I love William Hoopkins. And, and he ended up being in, like, four of the biggest nerd movies of, the 19, of say, yeah, the 80s, 1980 to 89. Ex- exactly. So if you're Gen X, man, this guy guided you through a lot in your life. And like I said, if you're a big-boned Gen Xer, William Hootkins is a hero. <laughs> All right. He's so in, he's in the big boy hall of fame. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So let's go back to the plot of flash Gordon. So, um, there, uh, I mentioned that Hootkins plays the assistant to a scientist who has a spaceship, you know, as you do. And then, uh, he f- tricks flash Gordon and Dale to get into it. And off they go, they launch the rocket, and they end up on Ming's planet of Mongo. I think it's Mongo. I'm not making that up, it, am it I, is, guys? No, it's Mongo. It's it's problematic to have, number one, a planet named Mongo. <laughs> number, t- number two, the bad guy is Asian. Number three, played by Max von Sydow. <laughs> Which, let's talk about Max von Sydow for a minute. This guy, this guy, like... Talk about paying your dues early, right? Like he he created his career is made on being, you know, uh, an actor at Ingmar Bergman's films, which are like, I mean, is it fair to say the definition of an art film? Yeah, yeah. He's and, he's the guy who plays chess with death in the Seventh Seal. For anyone who's curious, yeah. Unironically, and and you know he did all those things, and he's great. He's fantastic in those Bergman movies. And then after he did that, he was like, you know what, man? You remember, you guys know Cameo, where you can just pay to have an actor do anything? That's essentially what Max Van Sydow has done for the last 40 years. Whatever, yeah, man. He just, just... <laughs> he, was it last year? He recently died, I think. And he was going right up until the end. Like, I don't think it was that he was, like, he needed the money. He's like, yeah, whatever, this is fun. Yeah, but, as long as I could sit. Yeah. I mean, he's in Game of Thrones as just a dude in a tree. He He's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, judge. <laughs> Judge Dredd, sure. Sly Stallone, yeah, I know him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, a, I mean, a, I love Max dude, Van Sydow. Oh, he's, but... he's awesome. And, yeah, like you said, like he's awesomer because he could have gone the kind of like uh, Daniel Day-Lewis thing where he's like, no, I'm an artist. I'm only going to do this. And Max Van Sydow was like, hey, I like to work. I'm, yep. I'm going to do... I'm going to be in The Exorcist and some Swedish films and these world cinema things. I'm going to be in Star Wars for a hot minute just because. Yep, Game of Thrones. I mean, uh, by the end, you look at his career, you're like, huh, how about all that stuff that he ended up doing? Uh, good for him, you know? Like, he's a, yeah, he, he, he's, a, he's a legend. He built his artistic legacy early and then was just like, ah, whatever. I don't care anymore. 
I dress I dress up for a living and get paid a lot of money. Do you get do you guys mind if I if I'm a little pedantic? Mm-hmm. Sure. It's Foncito. Okay. All right. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. It's the Midwestern pronunciation Sido. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you you guys seen that new Max Van Sido movie? <laughs> Oh, hey, Oli and Lena, want to go see this movie with Max von Sydow? We're going to go see the diving bell and the butterfly. <laughs> the diving bell and the butterfly. Oh, yeah, it's that guy from the Star Wars movie. He just sits it. there. <laughs> the third eye, the three eye raven. Yeah, it's that one. Uh, okay, so in this movie. But, but I. Like it is kind of like I I really like that um that arc of like the aging actor like that kind of Christopher Lee never was in like the artistic no content but like he sort of but they they sort of met in movies like this right yeah where both of them because this wasn't like the eighties he spent a lot of time making movies like this um, yeah. Like he was in Conan the Barbarian too, a few years later. Yeah, and it's just I, I just think it's uh, that's He's one in of strange my strange brew. I know it's just kind of <laughs> like it's a like if you just work long enough in movies, and he worked. Has anyone really? How many people have hit as many decades as he did? And when you think of when you think of like franchises, I mean, he's in Ghostbusters. You mentioned Conan. You mentioned Star Wars, Game of Thrones. Like this dude, this dude. It? Swept up on all that stuff. Oh, that's right. He's the voice of Vigo in Ghostbusters. Rush too. Hour Three. He's in Rush Hour Three, guys. Good, um, good on him. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna, if you're gonna pick a, like a career to have, he he'd be like a really good pick, I think. It's, this he is, probably this had is, a lot of fun. He had this the is most a hero variety. You, you, you work hard when you're young, and you care about working hard, and then you get older, and you're like, just give me the money. And I'll do what? What do you want me to put a hat on? I'll put a hat on. I but then care. every, but he would still do like pretty challenging fare every once in a while. But you know, sprinkle th- in some nonsense here where I don't have to try. <laughs> I think working with Ingmar Bergman taught him what not to do. He's like, oh, I don't want to end up like that dude. He's just old. He's <laughs> <laughs> just really old and angry and sad. I don't want that. I mean, he eventually. I mean, he did work with like you know Woody Allen and Wim Wenders, Fried- like he, Friedkin, he, Scorsese. He, yeah, Scorsese, like, he, de- he does eventually, like, you know, go in with some of the greats, but you're right. For the most part, he's like, just whatever, man. And a Rob favorite, uh, Spielberg with Minority Report. I know, yeah, yeah. I was about true. to say, I think he's in a Spielberg, maybe yep. more than one. All right, so back to this movie. What happens? I don't know. There's, they like show- a, there's a big, goofy fight. <laughs> yeah, there's a they go to the planet, and Ming, uh, there's stuff with Ming... Who's, um, and then there's a football running scene, and then we kind of have like these different characters. Um, we've got um, we've got uh, James Bond. We have Timothy Dalton as Prince Baron. We trying way harder than he really needs to be. He's the only guy really trying in this movie. <laughs> Everyone else is like, "This is silly," and 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 Timothy Dalton is like, "Listen, let's take this seriously. We're getting paid, so we <laughs> yeah. might as well try." <laughs> Like he's doing everything he can to be. Um, uh, who's the original Robin Hood? Duff? Oh, Errol Flynn. He's very Errol Flynn in this movie, which I, makes sense. I did see an anecdote that this was one of his first roles, and this was very much a "Yep, I need the bunny." <laughs> yep, yep. Um, and Brian Blessed as Prince Fulton, and there are all these different characters, and like some have wings. 
some Doan. There's just a lot of silliness happening. And, and um, like, I think they're all really fun, though. I, 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 like I mentioned that the other actors aren't trying. I should say they're not trying. It's more like they're they they know what kind of movie that they're in, and they're. I mean, they're I being say, kind of they're chewing some scenery, but that's what you should be doing. Yeah, I will say that um, Peter Wingard plays General Clytus, who is like the gold faced like head of the secret police. He's great in this movie, and it's a crime he gets killed off halfway through. I like the the captain of the the winged burly angel dudes. <laughs> Brian Blessed, Prince Fulton. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't he have the famous line in this one? Flash Gordon's alive? Yeah. Yes, that's him. Yep. So, so we never really finished explaining what this movie is about. And I'm no, going to try to do it as succinctly as I can. Thank you, Joe. Flash Gordon crash lands on this planet uh, run by, with an iron fist of the merciless Ming. Yep. And basically Mongo. it's all these different tribes that are don't like him but are afraid to stand up to him. Well, and, they, they don't understand the concept of teaming up, Joe. Yeah, and Flash Gordon, star quarterback, teaches the them the importance Jets. of teamwork and solidarity and basically yeah. leads a rebellion against him. Little and did... also people get horny for Flash. Uh, what's her name? Um, Aurora. The daughter of Ming, right? Yeah, Aurora in her little her she's got a little pet Fellini. <laughs> uh Princess Aurora's pet. She's she listen. Uh Flash Gordon fires up her loins. Yeah. This movie she, surprisingly horny. Cool. I like I thought it was like, going to be like a kids movie, but it's very horny. That's a great point, Joe. That's the thing. I before I rewatched it, cause I had watched it before. I was like, "Oh, should I watch this with my son?" And it, like everything I read was like twelve plus, eleven plus, thirteen plus. And then I started watching. I was like, "Oh, this is a very horny movie." <laughs> this is this is a movie still made during that first wave of uh, rated R sex comedies, and it shows because it's mm. not it's not to that level, but. You know, at the time you'd like, I know it's probably after, but like, you know, you'd like Porky's and Animal House. And I'm sure there's like, oh, we got to horn this up. Kids like horny stuff. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Kind of placing it in those, those years of when it happened. Um, yeah, it is, it is, it is pretty horny. And there's like, kind of like weird adult things in it. Like when um, they're reprogramming um, Zarkov. And like we see his life, it's like Jesus, that, this is dark. That yeah. sequence was a bummer. Yeah. yeah, like why are we watching clips from A Clockwork Orange suddenly? Yeah, it's like, oh, cool. Now we know he's a Holocaust survivor, <laughs> <laughs> or at least like, like a, he, he at least fled Germany or something. But but now we know. Mm-hmm. Which actually doesn't matter for the movie. No, no. <laughs> at all. Which is like part of my like issue with this movie in general is like who is this for? Uh, Me, I liked it. Before okay. <laughs> before that, um, another weird another casting choice that's kind of out there is uh the what's the doctor's name? Oh, uh, Hans Zarkov. Uh, Zarkov is played by Topol, mm-hmm. who he's an Israeli actor who just he I don't know his full name, but like his stage name is Topol. Mm-hmm. And he's most famous for he's he was the lead in the movie version of Fiddler on the Roof. He was Tevye the Milkman. He's like a renowned Broadway singer slash actor. So you 
it's bizarre because you have all these heavyweights um, as side characters. Yeah, you have you have uh, Max von Sydow. Sydow, I can't Cedow. say whatever it is, Joe. I don't uh, know. We have old, we have old Maxi V. Um, Even Peter Wingard is have, like yeah. We have Topol. We have all these other people, and then we have Flash Gordon, who is. He looks like the the creature that's created in Rocky Horror Picture Show, like yeah. the blonde dude. Just this kind of like Aryan slab of beef. Awful in this movie. He's. They should have dubbed him over. It's not often they I did. say that. They did, Duff. They did. Uh, so was... he he was uh, he was chosen for this role over. Uh, they... Okay, and th- th- this I was thinking this the whole movie. You know who he was chosen over? Your boys. I do. Two of your boys, Joe. Yeah. The whole movie, boys. I'm sitting there, hopping mad, <laughs> hopping mad. Yeah. Why isn't Kurt Russell in this movie? Yep. And then it's over, and I find out this chump beat out Kurt Russell and Arnold Schwarzenegger for this movie. Either one of fair, them would have been way better. To be fair, I'm pretty sure Kurt Russell said no to the movie. Well, yeah, I think. I, and, Arnold, I, and I think the Arnold issue was his accent. They were like, we well, they dumped over him. this guy anyways. I know. Yeah. So that's what happened. So they, they get Sam J. Jones. And we'll have more to say about Sam J. Jones. But uh, essentially, he was first discovered on an episode of The Dating Game. He was uh, on, in The Dating Game. And, um, you know, he's six feet tall. He has the look. They, they, they bleached guess. his hair. Um, but he was a problem on the set. He um he clashed a lot with the uh the producer of this movie uh, Dino Dila D- Dino Dilorent D- yes who is like I a think... guy who no one really knows but you've seen a lot of his movies yeah right like he's a producer and you know he's been around uh, I mean forever but he's like... a producer in the old Hollywood sense in that absolutely in that he's like he's begging all his relatives for money it's like no we're making this flash garden movie it's gonna it's gonna make bank and he's just going to like sources and raising money and to his credit really good at it like yeah he's, he's, i mean he's he he's, had hits but you know you hear about it's like oh steven spielberg presents it's like uh spielberg just let them put his name on it like Spiel, yeah. spielberg didn't have to like beg a studio for money or something yeah like this dude like this is a hustler he's a grinder yeah yeah. It, yeah, and 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 like you know, some of his more famous movies would have been Death Wish, um, The Shootist, uh, Flash Gordon, obviously. Done, he did a couple Halloween sequels, but he also he does, did some classy stuff. He does eventually bring uh, Arnold in with Conan the Barbarian. He does um, Dune. He does uh, Blue Velvet, Manhunter, Evil Dead Two. I think even later on, he ends up being like. Hannibal and Red Dragon and those sort of movies. So this guy uh, just churning out cash. (laughs) Yeah. He's kind of the opposite of those canon Golden Globus guys who just lost money on everything because they were dumb. (laughs) Like this guy, like a lot of his stuff was schlocky, but it was successful. Yeah. And so he he was a big part of this. And he would, uh, Sam J. Jones was pretty difficult on set. He would also get into fights like Sam J. Jones would famous like I don't know famously, but he would like, you know, they were filming it and then he would like offset, go to bars and get hammered and get into fights and get beat up. And <laughs> like and like eventually this just became untenable and he decided to go home back to America. 
and Dino was like, well, screw this guy. And then they brought in like a stunt double and then had someone dub all his lines over and was just like, we'll just do this movie without him. And uh, they did. Um, There's and- definitely an Ed Wood vibe to this production. Yes. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. Like that. That's it, it's a movie made in 1980 or whatever, but it feels like it was made in 19 like 58. Yeah, it feels like it had a budget of twenty thousand dollars when in when in actuality the budget was insanely high. Yeah, for, we we were we were texting about this. This movie was made for thirty five million dollars, which in 1980 is an obscene amount. And, and to put that in perspective, Alien. And aliens were both made around this time combined for less money than it cost to make Flash Gordon. <laughs> this, this, movie, this movie had a bigger budget than The Empire Strikes Back, which was a stu- which was a production that basically had a blank check. Yeah, it's crazy. And I this is this is where like, you know, we're gonna eventually talk about this movie. I know Joe, you really enjoyed it, and I it was I fine. mean uh, hold on. I mean, I had fun watching it. Uh, okay. But okay. like did my attention waver at times for sure but i everyone other than flash gordon is having a great time it's i thought the tone of it is like really silly and fun if if i would have been born in like 1972 or whatever i would have yeah this movie rocked uh and and it just like it's they don't make comic book movies like this anymore no and 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 i think this is like this is where I struggle with this movie because I think you're right, Joe. I think a lot of the side characters are fun. And, like, there's a lot of things around this movie. We haven't even gotten to the Queen soundtrack, which owns. Yeah. And, like, even, even like, little things like the poster for this movie is so great. And, and, and like, and, and the world is cool. Like, all, like, when he enters in Ming's, like, chamber and there's all the different groups from these different places and they all have, like, kind of a cool look to them. And then they have a fight where, uh, Flash Gordon figures out he can win by just pretending he's playing football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's so stupid, but it's I liked it. Uh, the We've already hit on this, but the biggest problem for me is Flash himself, Sam Sam Jones. Yeah. Um, he's terrible. Awful. He's... It, it's not just his fault, though, because like, there's nothing that happens with this character either. Like, There's no growth in Flash Gordon. He has no superpowers. There's nothing he learns... He is the same person that gets on the plane as he is the guy who saves him. I did not know much about Flash Gordon beyond that it was a a, a serial, serial with an S, um, from like the 20s and 30s, and it was a comic book, and it was part of the, uh, would that be the golden age, kind of the first age of comics? I think so, but um, I'm not the right person on that. No. I mean, it, it, is, it is an essential comic for the launch of comic book. Yeah, like superheroes it, and comics. Like, like the greatest generation grew up reading Flash Gordon. It predates Superman. Beyond that, I didn't know much. I was kind of surprised to learn that Flash has no real powers. Has none. Um, doesn't seem that smart. <laughs> I, I mean, brave. He He's like a big dog. Like, that's all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a golden retriever. You and, could replace him with Air Bud and the movie would still work. Yes. <laughs> You're not, I mean, yeah. He's, I mean, it would make all the horny scenes a little weird, but other than that, yeah. So that, the combination of, number one, Flash is just kind of this meathead jock who ends up here, and two, the worst actor I've seen in many, many movies, possibly years, and that that's the biggest flaw. 
and and on top of that uh i don't the this is not well directed it is no. uh, it is i i i thought i thought the director was giving it a shot here so let, let's talk a little bit about the, the history of the directors of this movie. Originally, the thought was to have Fellini do this movie, which is I, insane. I, I mean, it was it's already <laughs> horny as is. Yeah, yeah. Imagine if so, Fellini got his hands on it. And and then and then the other guy was Sergio Leone, and uh, he declined it. It would have been also, th- it would have been three and a half hours long. <laughs> yeah, it, it would have been insane. And then you know, most famously. George Lucas, like Star Wars, is built in a lot of ways off of the the serials that existed for Flash Gordon. So he was asked, and he declined it because I don't know if you guys know, but he already had a pretty big hit with Star Wars. Um, the guy who worked on it for a year was Nicholas Rogue, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who this... like is is not a superhero uh, filmmaker. Let me just say that. But he does work I... in science fiction. He does work in science or fiction. Or has, yeah. I should say. Not, like, not he has, like, the man who fell to Earth most famously. But, like, if you've ever seen, like, performance or, like, his movies are, like, intellectual and arty. Like, it's, like, a weird Very thing. Very European. Yeah, to mix. And he worked on it, I guess, for a year. And then they ended up with Mike Hodges. And I have only ever seen one previous Mike Hodges movie. He did the original Get Carter with Michael Caine. Um, a funny story about Nicholas Rogue, Rogue or rogue um he talked to dino de laurentis and he's like yeah i want to do it and then he disappears for a year to like (laughs) to bone up on flash gordon he like devours flash gordon like reads everything and he comes back a year later and like pitches this idea to dino de laurentis and and dino says i don't like it he says i'm not gonna do it then (laughs) (laughs) and then he's like maybe i should have done a little more interaction with Dino before a year of my life was spent on this man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. And and like the movies, Joe kind of alluded to this earlier, like the movies like sets and world are interesting. And, And I think the Ed Wood comparison is fair because like, especially when you compare this to like alien and star Wars that came out previously, like it's a very phony world, but it still is a, it still is a, fantastic world that exists in this movie and 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 there's cool stuff that happens like when timothy dalton challenges him to put his hand into the scary little handhole thing (laughs) yeah the little so there's like it's like a tree with all these like um hollowed out areas and there's a monster in it and to test your bravery you have to stick your hand in there and if the monster bites you you die yeah yeah and that's that's awesome it kind of reminded me of like there's a little bit of um the never ending story kind of tone mm. in some parts of this. And, but it doesn't, it doesn't really reach the level of never ending story quality wise, but it has some of those like fantastic kind of scary, dark elements to it. But, it, but it's so uneven and never like fully embraces. It that. does have a giant swamp creature that comes out of the ground, which is pretty cool. Yeah. You know what it reminded me of? Have you, uh, I know Joe and I love to talk about the Wisconsin Dells, but, uh, <laughs> Pre-pandemic, I would like to go to Wizard Quest, which is a magical interactive scavenger hunt in the Wisconsin Dells. And, uh, you know, it's always pretty fun to go and you walk around. It's like 20 bucks and then you try to solve puzzles and you walk around. I thought you were going to say like a wizard shows up and asks you riddles. Well, you have to solve four different wizards riddles in order to complete it in in the time frame. 
That's what this reminded me of, which is also wild that this movie cost $31 million. <laughs> yeah. So here's what it reminded me of Wisconsin Dell's sideshow. Here's what this movie is to me. Um, do you guys remember uh, before Google Translate, there was Battlefish? I remember Battlefish, yeah. And remember how Battlefish was not very good at all. Um, this to me is someone ran Star Wars through Battlefish. Like, just various elements are, pop in and out, but they don't really make sense, and hmm. things are just wildly out of place. Interesting. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, you know, like, I think, as we said before, like, all the side characters work, but the fact that, and this is what makes camp hard to judge. Like, this movie is campy, and it's meant to be campy. And in well, some ways... <laughs> I mean, in some, who you ask. I guess. But in some ways, it makes it hard to, like, criticize, because you can be like, well... You know, uh, Flash Gordon doesn't actually change at all throughout the movie, and he's kind of like uh, acted terribly. Like, well, that's part of the point of the camp, and it's like, well, mm. I don't know, I don't like. You know, so, it kind of be- becomes difficult to criticize because everything can be like, well, that's because it's campy, and it's like, yeah, the problem- I think that's a cop. Like, Big Trouble in Little China is campy, but can you point to anyone in that film that delivers a bad performance or isn't matching up with the tone of the film? Yeah. yeah, I mean, or that's like, the difference. or like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like, there's nothing that feels out of place there. Um, so I, I read that one reason this is so tonally off the charts is because the director, the director and Dino De Laurentiis had totally different visions of the tone. Mm-hmm. In that, um, the director thought it was a spoof, and Dino De Laurentiis thought it was a serious film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, and they would literally tell the actors and the crew conflicting things. Also, um, Dino De Laurentiis, I, I've read various sources, but like he had problem with tra- problems with translations because he's Italian. Yep. And <laughs> and he would a lot of times he would have his assistant uh, translate for him to the crew. But some people are like, I don't think that assistant speaks Italian very well. <laughs> It's just amazing, like, Rob and I were talking about this a few days ago, about just how, and this is certainly not not groundbreaking insight, but just no one knows what they're doing. No one knows what they're doing. And it's it's just so funny, when with movies, it's particularly amusing, because just tens of millions of dollars can be spent on something, or today, hundreds of millions of dollars. And something as fundamental as the producer and director agreeing on what kind of movie they're making... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can get screwed up. I, I, I mean, I, I was so I have a lot of like anecdotes from watching this documentary called Life After Flash, which is on Samuel L. Jones, which I can't. Why is there a recommend. whole documentary about this guy? Guys, I can't recommend this, but I thought I'm going to do it. We have a wealthy benefactor wow. who who wanted us to watch something. I'm going to do my my due research. Um, and and like. Yeah, the 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 director Mike Hodges and the cast were like, "This is a silly movie," and yet, like you're right, Dino would walk around, and when he was on set, they were afraid to work because they knew he was judging everything that was happening. And and, just... and, and this is also a situation where Dino is the real power player because mm-hmm. he he's the big Hollywood guy. He raised all the money. It's his money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's it, awesome. It it's it's incredible. So. Let me let me tell you some stories, guys. If you, if we're willing to go, what yeah. I learned from Life After Flash, Sam L. Jones, 
Um, as I mentioned, this documentary, like I said, I will not recommend it. It's called Life After Flash. Uh, he was found in the dating game, and he eventually, you know, become he gets chosen for this role. He's a little bit difficult. They kind of gloss over that a little bit in the documentary. Do they talk about um, Playgirl? He, no, they do not talk about Playgirl, which we'll get into, but he posed in Playgirl in 1975 underneath a pseudonym. Um Later on, they brought that photo after the success of Flash Gordon out again. Um, so he was he was an adulterer, as uh, as a he was in Hollywood. <laughs> Hold and, on, um, gotta pick up these. I just clutched these pearls too hard. My hand hurts now. <laughs> after um, Flash Gordon, it was supposed to be a trilogy, but he like, you know, was such a a problem on set that he tried suing them for money he'd lost. I mean, cause he's going against Dino. Dino's yeah. like, as you said, Duff, he's a power player. Like no one is going to side with Sam L Jones in any of this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then he ends up like having like a, you know, going in and out of some marriages, having some real rough low points in his life. Um, the weird thing about this documentary is documentary spends about 40 minutes on flash Gordon. They talk to different, um, characters and and, and uh, stars of this movie and then the guys and i don't know if we've seen it this movie talks this documentary talks a lot about the movie ted and ted 2 because in ted and ted 2 apparently mark Wahlberg's character and his stuffed animal are big friends are big fans of flash gordon yeah i did i have not seen <laughs> ted or ted 2 but i did read that it plays a pretty substantial part so that. Sam L. Jones is back in those. And like some of the weirdest moments of this movie, of this documentary where they don't really dive into is they're talking to one of his kids. And like, since all this has happened, Sam Jones has turned into, he, he talks about how he read the purpose driven life and he found Jesus. And, um, he's now a Mexican bodyguard. <laughs> like when he's not, the movie is like him going to comic cons. And then also talking about how he's like a high end security guard in Mexico. For when people go visit Mexico or San Diego, come on. come on, So, so he's so he's got he's just like sitting sitting around bars while some gringos go get Senor Frog shirts or something. Let me tell you, this guy he's he's one of the. You got to look at the credits of movies. Samuel Jones is one of the executive producers of this documentary, which immediately oh. you're like, okay, all right. So listen, Sam, if you're listening, I'm glad you have turned your life around. I'm glad you're a better father now. I'm glad that you're there for your kids. That is not an interesting documentary. <laughs> um, he, uh, he, one of the best parts of the movie is I've not seen Ted, nor have I seen Ted 2, but apparently it's pretty raunchy. And his son, one of his older sons, is talking about how he does not like Ted or Ted 2 and wishes his father wouldn't have done it because it doesn't reflect the values that his father has. Okay, <laughs> sure, man. <laughs> what a dork. So you can that, always do that kid is the kid who tells all the other parents because they watched an r-rated movie at someone's house <laughs> uh the movie the movie also talks a lot like it talks like the movie has a lot of like comic-con like you could tell they just went to different comic-con booths and talked to people about what they thought about flash gordon which is like fine but like not necessary and then they also go like there are some mega mega flash gordon fans who like have tons of props and all sorts of things from the movie and they talk a lot about how they have like um 
you know, they have um, Timothy Dalton's Prince Baron outfit, and then they have it. Uh, it's all very strange. Um, is Kevin Smith featured at all? Kevin Smith is not in it at all. That, that is honestly shocking to me. <laughs> Before we move on, I found the anecdote about uh, Dino De Laurentiis and his translator, and it really does just highlight that sometimes people with money just don't know what the F they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone said, he, he reads English better than most people realize but he translates all of his scripts into Italian. So, <laughs> number one, that's a weird thing. <laughs> um, so, and so he goes on, he talks about his, her, his translator, and he says, we're in Nantec... Nan- this is not Dino De Laurentiis. This is, uh, I think, a producer, someone named last name Semple. He says... We're in Nantucket, and his translator was a woman whose name I forget. She could barely translate the scripts. If it said the tall, beautiful woman walked into a room, she'd say, oh, what a beautiful cat. <laughs> um, but he said that, and the, the best part is that Dino De Laurentiis didn't care. He said, Dino said, I do not want to be fooled by the words. I do not want to be fooled by written words. I want to know the story. Wow. Okay. Wow. So, I mean, let's talk about talking about this movie. Is, 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 you know, I think Duff said it. I know, Joe, I think you're the biggest fan of the three of us. But, like, I feel like we're, you know, this movie would have hit differently if I saw that when I was 11 years old. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it just, you know, it it's just doesn't. But beyond that, I think I could recognize if it was legitimately good camp. But this this Sam Jones guy, he's he's no bueno. <laughs> It's a shame. Yeah, you, you you put someone with some charisma in that spot, and we got a real banger here. Oh, I yeah. mean, the Kurt Russell thing is a perfect example. Like Kurt in that role, he would have been it, so annoyed all the time. Lot. He would have been so annoyed. Yeah. Why don't yeah. you guys just stand up to this Ming? Um, fun fact: I want to mention um, Peter Wingard, who plays I think the best character in the movie, which is General Clytus, the gold faced dude. Uh, I, I I learned this reading on his Wikipedia, but apparently his whole look from the 60s is what influenced Mike Myers in his Austin Powers character. Really? Yeah. Yeah, which obviously hmm. this movie's not the way to look at him because he's got a gold mask on. But right. and, and when they made the movie apparently he had a fit. <laughs> he had a fit on set cuz he was like you shouldn't kill me off. I'm you why don't you just shoot me off into space so I can be around for the sequels, but you absolutely shouldn't kill me off and they're like, No, we're not Which is even space. weirder because in true megalomaniac style, they had already been thinking about sequels. They're like, Oh, we're gonna I mean, they even do the goofy teaser at the end with the question mark. Yeah. Yeah. That didn't work out. Yeah, no, not quite. So the thing we haven't really talked much about is this movie, like, I think what it's most famous for, and I think rightfully is Queen did the soundtrack to this movie. It's like the only other thing I knew about the movie. Like, I knew vaguely who Flash Gordon was, but that Queen did the soundtrack. Yeah, that's, and that that's, song... my, that's my first introduction to the movie. I heard the song, and I, <laughs> and, uh, and I think it was some kind of, like, Queen mix or compilation it's a, or something. It's on all those greatest, like, I just remember it would come on the Greatest Hits album. Yeah, so there was, like, classic Queen and Queen's Greatest Hits. Uh, and mm-hmm. my I had classic Queen growing up um i don't know if it was i don't think it was on that one i think it was i just i just remember it was on two discs and that went chronologically and when Mm. you get to disc two that's more of the 80s synthy stuff and that's where flash was 
in the in right Flash before Radio theme. Gaga. Uh, yeah, right around there. Yeah. <laughs> Radio Goo <Goo-Goo>. Goo. <laughs> All um, we hear is okay, sorry. Uh, Flash's theme. That song is so important for this movie. Like both the like Flash, ha ha, <laughs> but also like the drum that yeah. like or the keyboard or whatever that's constantly playing in it is fantastic. Yeah. And really elevates the movie in my mind. I don't know if the rest of the score is as good as that song. I no, yeah, I don't think it necessarily is. Yeah, so that's the thing is I that that was one disappointment because the movie opens up just banging that out. Oh, it's like, awesome! And I'd already heard it a million times before, but I was like, "Hell yeah, here we go!" There's not a really a single other moment, and like that's all they kind of offered that was memorable there's other scenes where they do the same kind of drums but they just don't layer in the vocals but there's not another good song in the movie yeah even instrumental wise like the rest of it's pretty forgettable yeah it's i i and oddly at sometimes like there's an actual score like an orchestral score which i don't think queen was involved in i think they had someone else come in and do some of that i don't know how much she did i think Um, the other person and and uh, you know what this movie doesn't deserve Queen working harder on it. I hope they got that, paid handsomely. I hope they got paid handsomely. Although then again, on the other hand, maybe some of the stuff that drags would be better if Freddie was singing over it. Yeah. Uh, Freddie, I think, had the easiest job for this movie in terms <laughs> of the guys from Queen. Cause... Well, he does He does sing that. He does have like that part during uh, Aurora song where he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I love you trying to sing Freddie Mercury. So I read that pretty much the problems that existed with everyone else went over to Queen and that number one, um, they all recorded separately because they were all busy prepping for the US tour of the game. Their okay. album The Game. So like number one, was, they were all zooming in nineteen eighty or Skyping and yeah. working on it. Um and then on top of that, um <laughs> You had uh, more clashes with Dino De Laurentiis and the director, who's um, Mike. I can't remember. Why do I keep Mike Hodges? Mike Hodges. So uh, Mike Hodges would love it. And first of all, Dino De Laurentiis said, who are the queens? (laughs) (laughs) Who are the queens? Dino did not care for the score, which might be why it was cut out for some parts. I, I will say one of my favorite things about reading scores, and this just allows me to tell a Star Wars story, so give me a chance, is like a, like the song names of a score are like what happens in the movie, right? So like, yeah. you know, like this is Flash's theme, football fight, execution <laughs> of Flash, Wait, it's called Flash football to the rescue. Fight? Football, football fight God. is the name of the song. That's the most ridiculous scene in the movie, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, crash dive on Mingo City, right? The hero, right? <laughs> so one of my favorite stories is when Star Wars Episode One came out, and maybe you guys know this, but like the soundtrack hit before the movie, and some of the names of the songs on the soundtrack are Qui Gon's Noble End yep. and the High Council Meeting and Qui Gon's Funeral. <laughs> <laughs> yep, they didn't think that one through. I just love when that happens. Like, oh well, oops. I guess we spoiled it with our soundtrack. Um, th- no, I, I'm, I'm with you guys. The, the 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 Flash's theme is great, and that song and the and the and the like 
build up on it is great and hearing Freddie Mercury just scream flash is great um and also I think it's pretty crazy that like this movie maybe this is where like the the box office number comes in that they spent so much money to like you know to bring in like a big time rock band like Queen at that time yeah they they must not have come cheap this was still a little past the height of their fame but they were still huge this was even before Live Aid absolutely and that makes you wonder let's say they which i'm sure they will someday let's say when they reboot flash garden let's say they do it in in lord's year of 2021 yeah who would you have do the music this that you really, think would work it's a really tough one because i kept thinking of great answers and then being like ah shoot they're dead yeah because like david bowie would be great um he would make he would make it much darker but it would i think a david bowie soundtrack for a Flash Gordon reboot would be great, but unfortunately he has passed. Mm-hmm. He has. Uh, I, mine, this is the first one I thought of, but sometimes the first one is the right one. Um, Janelle Monet, And she already kind of did with the electric lady. I actually thought about that, Duff, and my answers kind of went similar. Is I was thinking, I think this, like, in, I don't think it would be rock. It had to be pop at this point. And then I was thinking, the the first answer I had, and she kind of hasn't had a great album in a long time, my first answer in my head was Katy Perry. Hmm. Okay, are we, are, are we doing what, like, if you were the producer trying to make money off of this movie would hire, or what your personal Flash Gordon movie would be? Well, I'm trying to think of someone who's, like, a, like famous now that would, like, move sales but also work. My answer I ended up with is not Katy Perry, but Robin. Hmm. I, could see I feel it. like you gotta have some like you gotta have some bombastic danceness. And she's to a, this. she's she also I mean she's is she from Norway? Um, she's from somewhere but else. But she she has <laughs> it would kind of she's tie. somewhere else. <laughs> she's Swedish, I think. I think she's Swedish. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, she would she would bring in kind of she would complement the uh, the Aryan blondness of Flash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and there'd be some there's be some bangers, some dance songs. Like I think I think Robin, you know, would work for yeah, that. It's my you know I could see I just it. think it's hard to find a I think it's really hard to think of a rock artist that works in twenty twenty one for this. Uh, and there's not a ton of rock bands left, period. Well, I've got one. No. Okay. It's like kind of rock adjacent. It's jet it's genre fluid. Okay. Uh gorillas. Oh, that's actually a good answer. Yeah. And they, they, and Damon Elbarn could bring in lots of different guests. So it really would be like a true movie soundtrack, like the old nineties ones, you know, where they brought in all these different stars in, but it would Mm -hmm. have a central, a central unifying creative force behind it. Gorillaz is a really good answer. Well, of course it is. I I gave it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's, that's true. Um, Oh, one thing I was going to say about queen, uh, Maybe the reason the rest of the soundtrack isn't as good is because they were saving up all the good songs for Highlander. Oh, I forgot they did Highlander after uh, those songs. A couple other bangers, especially Princes of the Universe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the Highlander songs that well, Duff. I'll be honest. Do you know? Do you remember the TV series Highlander? It's mm, the, I've only seen the movie. I've only ever seen the movie. You, the you Christopher know, Lambert movie. I, you know Princes of the Universe. You will recognize uh, it. Okay. Joe, you know Princes of the Universe, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I thought you were referring to a Prince song. I thought you no, said Prince's no, no. Universe. And I was like, ah, oh, I like Prince. Prince is the universe, though, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. 
Um, no, I know, I know which song you're talking about. Highlander uh, is an interesting like, like uh, analog to this film too, because Highlander is like a similar level of like, is this serious or is this silly? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm sorry, but I'm just I'm I'm changing the subject a little. Though. Go ahead. No, it's fine. There can only be one subject, so continue. <laughs> <laughs> there can be only one. <laughs> All right, sorry, Duff. Go ahead. No, I was just. Uh... I mean, we can talk about Highlander some more. I don't remember <laughs> it that well. <laughs> Highlander should fight Flash Gordon, I guess, is what, how we could... Highlander would, would destroy oh. Flash Gordon. No, Flash I mean, Gordon would throw a football at his head. Uh, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> or ride his, like, little hover jet ski. His yeah, Peloton. okay, that's the other thing I wanted to bring up. I'm so... Oh, God, I'm, I should have written this. I'm so glad I remembered it. As a jet ski boy, Rob, yeah. how did you feel about his space jet ski? Well, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I don't really, I mean. Did his butt, did his butthole look safe? Well, it, there was no water nor air blowing out of the end that could have been a danger for him. It okay. looked like he was just on an old treadmill. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was on a treadmill from 1990. Yeah, <laughs> he's just floating in the sky with his treadmill. Um, I will give I, this movie credit in that it attempt some very fancy effects for the day but a, a lot of them like don't work in that a lot of times you can see through people and they end up being <laughs> translucent in the sky the sky does look cool i will give the movie credit yeah they for do like some trippy sky. like psychedelic stuff with the there's sky some good matte shots it's just when they kind of do the green screen which is still a very new technology it it's yeah. not great yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm glad, you know, I'm glad all three of us could knock this off our list for like, you know, movies we should have seen, and now we we kind of know. Now, I mean, um, I, I get it. I, I, if, I, feel, if I, feel, I were ten years old, I'd, I'd probably love this. I feel like we've delivered a little like uneven, tonally inconsistent episode, which is fitting because that's what the movie is too. Well, I feel like we owe it to our wealthy benefactor to mention one last thing, and I think this is what you're about to mention, Rob, because I right. know he'll, I know he'll like this. Yeah. So the important thing is, I mentioned that Sam J. Jones had posed for um, Playgirl. Uh, Playgirl before he made this movie, but is Playgirl before, still around? I, you know what? I don't know. I'll be honest. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh. Before this movie was made, we mentioned that Flash Gordon was a serial that was a big deal uh, in the 20s and 30s. Uh, there was a uh, a porno made called Flesh Gordon. Um, that, I mean, that just writes itself. But it, it, it wasn't a... And here's the thing, like, because this is the 70s and porno was very... I mean, porno is, porno is in now, but back then it was, like, more respectable, oddly. Mm-hmm. Um, it... I don't know. It's advertised as like a sex sex comedy, but I feel like where's the line there? Because it's a like there's a isn't there a character named like Flexi Jerkoff or something? Yeah, yeah. Hold on, let me just read you um, a description of this movie. I think that's important so people know. Um, Emperor Wang, the perverted, <laughs> is leader of the planet Porno and sends his mighty sex ray towards Earth. Turning everyone into sex mad fiends. Only one man can save the earth. Football player. They did that. Flesh Gordon, along with his girlfriend Dale Ardor and Professor Flexi Jerkoff, they set off towards the source of the sex ray, unaware of the perils that face them. I mean, we should hear him out. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I mean. And what's interesting is in the original comic, Flash Gordon, I think, is like a – he's not a football player. He's like a polo player or something. And it's interesting that not – this movie wasn't the first one that changed him to a football player, but instead Flesh Gordon was the first one that changed him into a, a football he player. He was a fancy boy. So, um, yeah, we're not – you. Uh, we're not. You cannot pay fifty dollars for us to talk about Flesh Gordon, for the record. So I, I just looked it up, and it, it was initially given an X rating, uh-huh. um, and then it was trimmed down to seventy-eight minutes to get an R rating. But you can now buy the uh, original X-rated ninety-minute release on video. Oh, thank God. Um, the other thing I'll say is I just see this because it's above the production notes. Uh. Craig T. Nelson was an uncredited voice as the great god porno. What? <laughs> Coach? Coach. <laughs> oh my god. All right. This I is o- why I, people too. I opened my incognito browser to see if you can get Flesh Garden online, and uh, I, I found what I'm guessing <laughs> is the R rated version because I scrubbed through it and I didn't see any, any privates. Just moves. <laughs> but it looks like it looks like there's a show on Vimeo called Sleazy Pictures After Dark that must make fun of these like Mystery Science Theater style, I'm guessing. Oh, okay. But okay. Since we're doing this podcast, I don't have the sound on. But I see naked people. Mm-hmm. And oh boy. Well thank you for the research show. <laughs> so thank if you. anyone if anyone's curious, you can watch it that way. Did this just turn into Howard Stern where you yeah. just listen to people talk about nudity? <laughs> oh, look at that. Ooh, Joe, wow. tell us how hot hot. Yeah, shows. okay. Yeah. Whoa. Those are big. <laughs> I, I never really listened to Howard Stern, but I'm just guessing that's how it goes, right? Oh, wow, look at those. Oh, wow. whoa, I, yeah. I remember, you, hey, why don't you shake them a little for us? Is that can you imagine I'm, people listen to that while they were driving to work? <laughs> they're sitting on the subway he, like next to somebody. I just remember when like he, they started to syndicate his show in the Midwest around here in the 90s, and it was a big deal because we have... Uh, 92KQRS is the morning show around here with our our local famous racist, Tom Bernard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Every town has one. Yeah. But yeah. like in the Midwest, like that's the show. And like because this was the 90s, it was I was like, oh, it's Howard Stern versus local Tom Bernard. And then I don't Howard Stern did not catch on here in the Twin Cities. He was gone. Like they dropped the show within a year. Really? Wow. I think it's an East Coast thing. East well, Coasters like to take the subway and hear a gross dude talk about the boobs he's seeing. <laughs> wow, are those real? Oh, man. Get a, get a load of these. Hey, hey. Mm, mm. Um, what, what, what do we... Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, we're, we're wrapping this episode up. I think we got to be real with our listeners. The summer's here. It's white boy summer. <laughs> oh <Thank>. no! <laughs> uh, thank you, Chet. We will, and what Rob is trying to say is, Chet Hanks will be welcomed on as a co-host for our summer episodes. And we got some stuff happening. I'm going to be on vacation for two weeks. Joe's going to be a dad. Duff's going to absolutely get banned from another social media network. It's going to happen. Duff was right. Duff was right. I'm allowed on next door again now. <laughs> Why are you on there? I don't know. <laughs> so so I think what we need to let our listeners know is we will continue to produce our content for our Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash the midnight boys. 
we've got some bonus episodes, um, some with our wealthy benefactors paid for, but also just some things we might want to do. But we're probably going to – this might be a little bit till we have a new season. I, think that's I, I can fair, announce right? our new season now. And I already, because okay. I already know you guys will be cool with it. I didn't, I didn't give you guys the name of it. Okay. The name of our next season is How to Be a Dad. Oh my God. I remember we talked about this, so yeah, it's gonna be good. Yeah, but I just, I think that's the perfect name for it. How to Be a Dad. And, How to uh, Be a Dad. You guys, also, Duff, I, uh, who has, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but to my knowledge, no interest in being a father at any point. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a perfect tone. Oh, God. Nope. No. Nope. <laughs> no interest. Uh, multiple reasons. Multiple reasons. Yeah. Is it because yeah. you're afraid that they'll have seven fingers? <laughs> <laughs> the, mu- the muto stops with me. <laughs> the muto stops. <laughs> so uh, I think... Uh, Rob, who has a, a a child well into their their growth, eight years, eight years of parenting experience now, and Duff, who has zero, and never will rise past that, barring some fantastic development. And I would imagine by the time we start recording them, I'll be weeks into uh, fatherhood. We're you'll, we're gonna use. We're you'll gonna just learn. be really tired and grumpy on the next season. Uh, so so the one will yeah. I mean, at least I won't be working, so it shouldn't be too bad I, I would assume we'll be able to finish recording before school starts again so i i'm thinking we we learn about life the uh, the way we've learned about all the all these other aspects of life through the movies right and when is the mo- what have the movies ever steered us wrong i'm going to tag our podcast as a parenting podcast <laughs> so that new parents will find it That's and be really like why idea. are they talking about three men and I, a baby for I, 90 minutes i hope I hope that like those mommy and me groups at Starbucks will find us and start talking about us. So, mm-hmm. so I'll gotta... say like if you uh, if you want to, I, I already have a pretty long list of titles I'm thinking about. But if you want to suggest some titles, uh, how can they do that, Rob? That's a great question, Joe. Um, if you want us to actually listen to it, then through Patreon, because that means you're giving us money, right? Yeah, you could okay. they could comment so, so. on uh, anything on Patreon and I'll listen, or they can even message us on Patreon and I will. I'm the one who receives such messages. Yeah, yeah Rob will share that with the group, mm-hmm. and then if you mm-hmm. want us to half listen to them, then how can they do that? Yeah, you could go to a freepodcast.com and uh, you could email us at um, midnightboyspod at gmail dot com, and I may or may not check that inbox. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so. Now that you say that, you've sent, you forwarded us like four emails that have been sent to the Titanic uh, minute email address. Yeah. But you never checked the other one? Well, I only checked the one on the show people listen to. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty wild how three ish years in, we just get we randos. We work so much harder on this show than that I one. I know. <laughs> no one listens to it. <laughs> we listen to Like, like, so much harder. We would also, one of those Titanic Minute episodes and be like, ah, oh, did, did, Duff, did you, did you Google a sea monster 20 minutes ago that we could talk about? And the other thing, the the real feather on our hat is, Rob, what's our most downloaded episode? Avatar. 
our episode on Avatar and Titanic Minute is our most downloaded. And, episode. and, and it's gonna it, it's gonna get another huge bump if and when the next movie. Well, I think I I'm mean, pretty confident another one more will come out because there. We will do an Avatar two that. episode. That's happening. And that Avatar episode, it's by leaps and bounds, isn't it? Isn't it like by forty thousand or something? It's a lot. It's a lot of people. Listen, the Navi are out there, I, and um, I dude, do wish. Wanna, I, I think do we brought that, that up in the episode, but they're wild, man. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. do wish that we had more analytics. Like YouTube will show you the average uh, watch time. I want to know what the average listen time is before people before people realize like what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think you know. Eventually, we're gonna just do Avatar Minute. Come on, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Absolutely not. Absolutely, we can't do a minute not. on one we already talked about. I mean, them's the rules. Yeah, that's how we build our that's brand, the, the man. Pod, the a, podcaster's code. Going to be so many avatars coming out. We'll have our careers made. Yeah, I, um, I, you know, you want to know what it's going to be. I, I, I've, I've been thinking this for literally two years now. Okay. I know you're going to make us do it. Dances mm-hmm. with Wolves minute. That's what the next. One I will on. not make us. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely going to do it. It's going to be a Kevin. If... It, it's going to be a Kevin Costner movie. It's gonna be dances with wolves. You're saying no now, but I know, I know, in, in that dark heart of yours, <laughs> you're 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 doing like the sicko mode. Yes, that sicko mode. See, nod, yes. See, now we're off topic. If I was really gonna push us to do something minute by minute, I would pick something that we love and that we could really dive into topics we love. <laughs> and that's that's Silence of the Lambs. Man. <laughs> I'm Let's sure get dark. <laughs> Let's get dark. Let's get evil. Let's do sil- let's do a serial killer of the week. Henry, portrait of a killer, minute by minute. <laughs> by the end of Silence of the Lambs, I would have like reconstructed the basement out of like toothpicks or something. I'd be recording. <laughs> I'd be recording from the bottom of a pit. Uh, so, I'd be um, so anti-dog by the end of that. Uh, What's that? <laughs> Precious doesn't do anything. I mean, Precious has a lot of needs. God. Precious, Precious unintentionally saves the day. How's that? She gets tra- the she's bait. She the woman in the pit. She pulls Precious down. Yeah, but that, that doesn't help her. Yeah, it does. It sets off uh, Jane uh, Jane Gum. It it makes him unstable. It distracts him. Oh yeah, you're right. He was perfectly stable until then. <laughs> well, in like kind of an evil like serial killer way, he's doing pretty well. <laughs> He didn't want her to hurt his dog. <laughs> oh my god! Don't you uh, hurt my dog? <laughs> you don't know what pain is. <laughs> this is the silence of the lambs minute. I can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, All right. <laughs> the silence of the lads. <laughs> uh, do you guys have anything else to add about Flash? Are we editing this? I am. Yeah. <laughs> Are you gonna or just? No. Um, so we're going to, you know, we'll be back with, uh, we'll have stuff on our Patreon. We're going to have some bonus episodes uh, and uh, we'll eventually teach you how to be a parent. So I don't know. I mean, listen. how to be and a dad we're specifically. We're, how to be a dad. Yeah. Also, I, I know one person, maybe two are very excited and the rest of the people will not care. But eventually we will do the uh the draft of Ringo Starr's All Star Band. Oh yeah, we. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we'll probably get to that pretty soon. Actually, 
We'll yeah. probably yeah. do that before the new season starts. So absolutely. So uh, boomers, uh, figure out how to work the podcast. Right, so, so I guess Jim, get ready. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God! All right, um, Dan. Thanks so much for uh, being a wealthy benefactor, and uh, hopefully you uh, and everyone else enjoyed us talking about Flash Gordon. And we'll be back soon with uh, some more bonus episodes. Flash! Oh!